Hey listeners, welcome to the Alma Bay Spotlights podcast. I'm your host Kalyan and on this show I will interview a diverse set of alumni relations and fundraising professionals that work at institutions of all types and sizes, not just the large popular ones you'll hear from at conferences. My aim is to bring people whose stories are more relatable so that their ideas are more actionable for you. Today I'm going to be talking to Mike Gombita. Assistant Director of Alumni Engagement at Misericordia University, a private Catholic liberal arts university in Dallas, Pennsylvania. We discuss about how his experiences at high school sparked an interest in communications, leading him to pursue a bachelor's and a master's degree at Misericordia University. We also dive into his experiences as a volunteer while he was a student there and how that led to an opportunity in the alumni relations office. Mike is still early into his career but he's got a ton of great ideas and is one to watch out for. Also a fun fact, Mike has a television studio named after him. I'm sure you'll love listening to this conversation. All right, Mike, thank you so much for joining me on the Alma Base Spotlights podcast. I'm excited to speak with you and learn more from you. I am excited to be a part of this show too. And uh, thank you so much for asking me to come on the show. Absolutely. I'd love to uh, kind of start from the real beginning of your journey. I see that you went to Honesdale High School in Pennsylvania. Were you born and raised in Pennsylvania? How was your high school experience? Yeah, so I was born in uh, the northeast of Pennsylvania. So if anybody has a map uh, of Pennsylvania, I was literally born in the top right-hand corner of the state. Uh, It is a very rural area. Uh, I am the oldest of three, uh, raised by two great parents. And as far as my experience with high school, uh, it really brought a lot of my my skill and attention to to really what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I ended up uh, working in our television studio um, that the high school offered, uh, really was working with basic projects, working with 30-minute shows. Uh, and it wasn't until my senior year that it was focused into a weekly broadcast that was played after the the morning announcements. Um, and really to eventually, it, it sparked my interest um, into moving into some type of mass communications, communications, some type of digital design, uh, that focus there. So um, that really pushed my my skill and talent um, to, to where I wanted to go. Um, I was truly honored by the school actually naming the television studio after me, uh, after that I was finished up with my my high school diploma. So it still stands there as the Michael C. Gambita uh, HHS TV4 television studio. And um, I have so many of my uh, students, I should say, um, with that as part of, uh, you know, being a part of the studio. And, uh, you know, my mentor, Sean Gehring, another big shout out to one of my mentors, uh, really pushed me to be the person that I am today because of the opportunity I was given there. That is incredible. I mean, how many of us have television studios named after us, especially at high school? That is incredible. You'd have to you'd have to give a lot of money to be named after a television studio, but I guess skill is a, a nice little addition for uh, the, uh, the the television studio. So I, I, again, I'm very honored for that opportunity. That's awesome, and I mean, you also spoke about so you know how some of these formative years are so important in our experience. I mean, we start out not really being sure you know where exactly we want to go, but some of these experiences really define you know who we become eventually, right? So that's that's incredible. 
Um, and then it looks like after high school, you went on to Misericordia University, got a bachelor's in communication, and then a master's degree in organizational management at Misericordia itself. Why did you pick Misericordia and how was your experience there? Yeah, so Misericordia wasn't the, I, I guess to, to backtrack a little bit, I'm a first generation college student. So one of the things with with that was I really did not understand the college process as a whole. Uh, you know, I, I've heard about college, 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 go to college, get a degree, but never any of this process. Um, so for those who don't know what a first generation college student is, um, that is the first out of your immediate family that attends uh, a higher education institution. Uh, both my parents um, did not go to college. And I had the the gracious opportunity of going there. When I mentor some of our, our younger students, our incoming prospective students, I always recommend to them, you know, make sure you visit and get to see all the colleges that you're interested in and see what fits best for you. Um, I am a, a, a complete hypocrite and I didn't do that advice. So I actually went to Misericordia University uh, based on an open house tour. It was actually recommended to me by a high school friend. And just by being at Misericordia, it, it kind of gave this what we call the Misericordia mystique. Uh, and it's just this welcoming, hospitable, merciful feeling that you get to when, when you step on campus. And I experienced the professors that were there, the program. The program looked very vibrant um, during the time of my visit. And it was kind of set on that point that I truly wanted to be at Misericordia and nowhere else. Now, of course, I applied to, to other colleges just to throw my name in the hat, per se. But really, my, my whole intention was attending Misericordia just because of that one college visit alone. And it was a shot in the dark, if I guess, if you're putting it in perspective. But it really was one of those things that I truly felt that that was the place for me. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, you just stepped on one campus and then that's what you picked eventually. <laughs> but I think, um, you know, you spoke about having the opportunity, uh, you know, as the first generation, um, you know, person from your family to attend college. But I think to me, it sounds like, you know, you you made the most out of that opportunity because I see that you took up a ton of volunteering opportunities and jobs while you were a student there. Uh, you know, you worked on student philanthropy, you were an orientation coordinator, an admissions ambassador, you worked on social media and digital marketing plans for them. You, you, you really did quite a bit as a student there. So can you walk me through, you know, what you were thinking? Why did you do what you did and what that taught you? Yeah, well, as advice that you would usually get in high school is to, to get involved. Um, I think the best thing about college is that you can be whoever you want to be uh, because it doesn't matter where you went to high school. I think the craziest thing that we found out during my first year orientation was it didn't say on your name tag where you went to high school. It was where you're from. And it really brought this sense that I can be who I want to be in college. And that's who people are going to, to perceive me as and are going to get to know me as. Um, a lot of the opportunities that came up, as you mentioned, um, were very simply, I don't want to say it was all rooted because of being an orientation coordinator, um, but that was really my opportunity to, to work and network with most of the campus community, faculty, staff, community members, donors. Um, and it really brought a sense of 
uh, involvement. And that's when it kind of trickled into everything else uh, involving with admissions, uh, student philanthropy, which I'm sure I'll talk a lot more about um, in, in my current role at Misericordia. But um, really, it's where I met a lot of my, my mentors, uh, Darcy Broadmerkel, who was uh, the student engagement director, um, Leilani Augustine, who was the alumni services coordinator, is now my director in my current role, um, serving in that student philanthropy. Uh, you know, it, it really brought a, a good portfolio and a good resume. Um, I remember our communications chair, Melissa Scroy, saying, if you, if you graduate and you don't have a portfolio, you did something wrong. Um, so, you know, taking advantage of those opportunities that were handed to me. And, I, you know, it's the cliche that that's how it shaped me and molded to me into who I am today. And, you know, here I am in, in alumni relations. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like all of those opportunities sort of culminated into that, um, you know, opportunity in the alumni relations office, which clearly looks like sort of became the genesis of your career in this industry. What do you remember from that role before you took it on full time, I guess, while you were still a student? Yeah, so as far as I guess to to bring in the more the honing of the fo focus of student philanthropy, um, it's a funny story because I, it almost, I, I joke around with Leilani the whole entire time, um, no matter what day it is, Monday through Friday, or even on the weekend that she kind of tricked me into student philanthropy. Uh, so what happened was there was, uh, my, my class at the time, uh, was working on a, a philanthropy campaign and they wanted me to be involved. A lot of the marketing because of my background, because of my degree, they wanted to, have some sort of marketing manager, some sort of PR person, just to make sure they cross the T's and dot the I's, making sure their message gets out there. Um, Leilani started to attend a lot of those meetings with those class officers. And she kind of said to me, hey, let's meet another day. And I'm like, okay, because a 19-year-old college student doesn't know what the heck they're getting themselves into when an adult who is very much so professional wants you to meet them more and talk more about professional goals. Um, so she was saying, you gotta come up with a name. You gotta come up with the people that you're working with. Uh, so I came up with the name. It was students today, alumni forever. Uh, and I was like, oh, I'll just bring in my class officers that I'm working with. And she goes, no, 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 you need to bring in other people because you're starting this. And I said, excuse me. And it just snowballed into this amazing group that is currently still standing today as of 2021 we formulated around like 2016 when that came about but we are now we were originally a 12 person team and is now expanded to about 60 students who educate engage and excite current students about the culture of philanthropy on campus so i am so pleased and so grateful to see the progress that has developed from that but that's what truly grounded my roots into my profession. And I'll be honest, if it wasn't for that experience, I don't think I would have the keen skill to apply with my communications degree that does allow me to do my job to the best of my ability every single day. So it was almost a surprise, but really it has it, it been crucial to my development in, in my current role. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. And, you know, I lo I'd love to kind of jump into your current role. But just before that, you know, as you were graduating, um, you know, obviously you had this amazing opportunity, which you uh, got yourself. But were you sort of confused at any point whether you wanted to take a different career path or was this very, very clear for you as you were graduating out of college? 
Yeah, so I I had the the awesome opportunity. I think as you were mentioning, um, you know, I had my undergrad in communications, and I graduated in 2017. Um, the alumni relations office offered me a graduate assistant position, um, which really plainly speaking is an opportunity for you to work towards your master's. Um, so you work at the institution. Um, your education is benefited within you working at the institution, um, and you get your master's for free. Um, you know, as far as the opportunity and the sense of direction, I really had my mindset on possibly doing something else just because the simplicity of a bachelor's in communications can really get you anywhere else. I mean, you could be a part of a newspaper, you could be part of a radio station, a television station, um, those simple traditional mediums. But also, too, you can assist in the marketing of a business. You can be the public relations professional at a law firm. Uh, there's so many different avenues. And I really thought to myself, is this, is this really what I want to go at, go at? Is this really what I want to go for? And after speaking with my parents, it really came down to the decision. You are getting a benefit of getting your master's. That's going to help you excel into different places and go for it. And really, in reality, I was working with the same people that I was working with before in student philanthropy. And it really just was uh, an almost simple decision. But I did have that in the back of my head as far as should I take this direction? Yeah, that's always uh, one of the most, I mean, at least at the time, one of the most crucial decisions in terms of what direction you want to take your career in. But I guess later in life, we realize that, you know, um, we, we can always sort of connect the dots backwards. Right. <laughs> um, so as I mean, jumping into your current role uh, now, you know, as the assistant director of alumni engagement at Misericordia University currently, what are what are some of your top priorities at the moment? Well, I, as my my role name itself is alumni engagement, uh, as far as what my my top priorities at the moment, um, you know, we're still kind of at the moment of a pandemic at this time. Uh, and really, I think a lot of us have been sitting and, and reflecting on, you know, I think a lot of people have had a lot of time to sit down and <laughs> start to think about, did I really want to make that high school decision? Did I really want to make that college decision? Um, but really what brings back to everyone is their alma mater. And with alumni engagement, my, my top priority is finding meaningful ways that our alumni can engage with Misericordia University. Um, as with the limitations with COVID-19, we've had that responsibility of how can we host events? How can we connect people back to campus? Um, so really in the, the digital sphere, uh, it's been my top priority to keep our alumni engaged as far as what the campus has going on. Um, we recently almost, uh, we recently finished our first half of our brand new Frank and Dorothea Henry Science Center. Um, and now we're working on the final half of the, the current part of the science building. So to me, as the person who works in alumni, I need to let my alumni know that this is what's going on and this is what's important to the campus community. Uh, is there opportunities for people to help out financially? Is there opportunities for people to help out in career services? Because we all know how challenging it is now to find employment because of the pandemic. Uh, so kind of weaving my way through some of those priorities, I think the best thing about my job is that it is not a typical nine to five job. Um, 
yes, I come in the office, I work in the office, and I go home. But really, my tasks are so um, diverse. Um, you could see me spending three hours working on editing a video. You could see me a couple hours responding to emails or meeting with students. Uh, it's it's a fun job. And I know in most cases, when people hear of alumni relations, they always think of with institutional advancement or university advancement that it's the fun job. Um, so, but really it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And, uh, you know, at the time with some of our limitations, uh, we used to be a team of five. Um, but in order to ensure students get the quality education at the affordable rate, um, there had to be some cuts. So we were down from a team of five to now down to myself and my director. And we were kind of looking at each other back in April when that decision was made. And we we're like, can we really do this? Is this really feasible? And yeah. To me, in my in my own opinion, we have done a phenomenal job in supporting students' needs, supporting our alumni and what they're doing, but also connecting them back to campus. Yeah, and it must must have been really challenging, especially you know, uh, going from a team of five to two is obviously hard. And then along with that, just having to fundamentally rethink how you do alumni relations and how you engage alumni when you can't meet any of them in person, right? Um, what what have you learned over the last 12 months? And I, I'm really curious to kind of understand if there are particular campaigns or events or programs that you've done that you would pick as, you know, the, these are the programs that have worked really well for us over the last 12 months. Any any that come to mind? Yeah, no, that's that's a really great question. Um, I think for anybody that, that is navigating these past 12 months, uh, the reality of it being I would say a majority. I mean, I know there's probably some type of statistic out there, but I think a lot of colleges and universities, alumni relations offices have never done virtual events. Um, and that that's a true challenge for everyone. How can we take events like our gala? How can we take events like our scholarship recognition program, our homecoming event, especially? Um, everyone loves to go to a tailgate, enjoy a game of football and other sports and reconnect with their alumni. You know, how can we do that? Um, I think the coolest thing out of them all was that there was no benchmark to compare to. Um, yeah, of course, we had some original benchmarks of what in-person events looked like. But I don't think fully we could have said, um, you know, we have to compare this virtual event to an event we held in person in Long Island, New York. Um, I, I thought it was really cool we had that opportunity to expand and be creative um, with some of those uh, ideas that we've come out with. Um, and one of those things that I think truly is a really good base model um, for a lot of our much larger events is our homecoming event we had this past October. Uh, we had about 121 attendees sign up um, and we had a lot of people that attended the event really feel connected to campus without even leaving their home or living room. Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think one of the things I've been hearing a lot over the last, you know, six to 12 months has been how much trial and error each of us had to go through uh, to do our jobs well. And I would probably rephrase that as, as being iterative, right? And that's exactly what you were referring to as well, where you know, in your job, you had to really think from the fundamentals and sort of say, okay, what is really valuable for alumni during this time? How do we keep them engaged? And how do we, as a university, be resourceful to our alumni during this time? And 
you know, I'd love to kind of dive deep into your, um, you know, homecoming plan. So how did you think about, okay, like, did you sort of start from, this is what we would typically do for homecoming on campus? How do we transform each of this into virtual? Or did you say, fundamentally, where do we start? And how do we think about homecoming when we can't be on campus? Absolutely. I think one of the things that we continue moving forward with our events is what do we want to get out of this event? Um, homecoming, for instance, diving a little bit deeper. Uh, we all know for a fact that in usual circumstances during homecoming, people are back on campus. They're seeing all the changes that are occurring, whether that's buildings, sports teams, anything that is a asset to the institution is what people want to see when they come back and they want to connect back with their, their classmates, their friends, um, things of that nature. And of course, crack open a couple cold ones with everybody. So, um, <laughs> with that, uh, you know, we, we had to think, how can we translate that to virtual? It wasn't until back in, I believe it was August or July, um, Apple held their Worldwide Developers Conference. Um, and we, as we all know, if you're a big Apple nerd like I am, um, they usually have it in person at the Steve Jobs Theater. There's a bunch of people that are there reporting and sending out information about the latest and greatest technology and software. But they had to transition into virtual. And I was just so amazed at the camera work, the presentation, the more attention to detail that they were able to bring because of that virtual atmosphere. So I kind of said to myself and Leilani, I said, why don't we try to do this? And, you know, we got thinking, what are some things that alumni want to see? Obviously, the first half of our science building was almost near completion. We obviously, it is one of the largest buildings on campus uh, as of right now. Originally, Mercy Hall, which was the first building that was on campus at College Misericordia back in the day, um, was the largest academic building. Now the science building is. So what's inside it? What can students do now? Um, you know, at the time, it was very much so crowded in the sense with our current enrollment. Now it is this awesome science building that can completely turn around um, students' education. And we've always said we're seeing the next Dr. Anthony Fauci or, you know, other famous scientists that come out or doctors that come out of a facility like this. Um, so we did a lot of video work. Um, we did, obviously, with that, we recapped athletics um, as, of course, we are celebrating some reunion years during homecoming. So what were some of the things that happened that were celebrating 10-year anniversaries, 15-year anniversaries, 20-year anniversaries? Um, but on top of that, with that touch, like we were saying, how we can connect back, we held these small Zoom reunions. We had an all Misericordia alumni reunion that had our current president involved in giving um, some points as far as what happened during uh, the past couple months or even the past year of the pandemic. Um, but really, it was more focused on how is everyone doing? Uh, is there anything that we can do to help? Um, and really just more based on conversation. Uh, and we also had a caricature artist, a digital caricature, caricature artist. Um, we had a, a smartphone trivia event. And also at the end of it, which is what we established only a year ago, is having an alumni mass. Um, so we actually took uh, some filming down at the chapel that that is on campus. And we had our um, our visiting priest that, that usually comes and uh, does mass every, used to be every week, um, kind of gave, uh, you know, a mass. And we also had some 
uh, help with readings and also the uh, our pianist was there too. So it really made it feel like it was mass as if you were in person, but in the digital sense of you watching it from your living room. Yeah, I can imagine uh, how hard this must have been to put together. I mean, I can almost see how putting together an event on campus seems easier than, you know, really having to think through all of these different, uh, you know, sub events within your sort of, you know, larger homecoming event virtually would have been so hard. So kudos to you for pulling it off. I, I appreciate that. And I think the best thing about us was I, the best thing about my job is the trust and the confidence that not only my my supervisor Leilani has, but the rest of the team has in us pulling off a virtual event like this nature. Um, it is very rare that you have somebody that works in this current role that I'm in that has the bachelor's in communications. But really, the background and more of the tactical approach of doing videography, doing photography, doing graphic design, and it truly gave us that edge coming back in July when things were starting to kind of transition into doing virtual events, that we were fully confident and capable of doing those things. So I, I appreciate you acknowledging the the hard work that's put into something like our virtual homecoming. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, with, with this whole transition into virtual, clearly your background in communication, you know, I can see that that's been super helpful. What we, you know, spoke about earlier uh, when you and I were chatting before the podcast was also how there isn't really an education that you can get or, or a degree that you can get in alumni relations or, or fundraising. But I think clearly a degree in communication was super helpful, especially given this whole transition into virtual and how you needed to sort of work with video and, you know, live streaming and all of those different things. So I'm sure, uh, you know, you feel that the bachelor's degree sort of lined up well for your current role. I think it definitely paid off, to be completely honest. So it's, you know, it's I, I, I hang my my diploma very proudly when it comes to to the degree that I got from Misericordia and to all the people that have helped me along the way as far as getting me to that point of getting that piece of paper, we call it, <laughs> to hang in the frame. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'll switch gears a little bit here. What are your uh, biggest challenges at the moment looking forward, uh, you know, towards the next six to 12 months? Well, I think the the biggest challenge that we have at the moment is now we're starting to ramp up with more events. Um, we've always set our goal to about one virtual event per month um, just to engage with our campus community. Now there's a lot of other events that are happening, such as our giving day. Um our giving day, our scholarship recognition program, alumni weekend is coming up. Uh, but really, as we're transitioning into those moments, um, it's not the cliche of you just press record and everything goes well. That's not the case. There's so many things that play into a role. That's the pre-production, the production, whether that's the lighting, the video work, the audio. Um, and of course, the, the most daunting task is the editing, the post-production. Uh, so there's a lot of time crunches that are currently happening in our office at the moment. And again, with the great support, um, it's, it's less stressful, but of course, there's some added stress to it. Um, but one of the things that Leilani and I are currently talking about in our world of alumni is what the heck is going to happen when we have this considered herd immunity and yeah. also are more in-person events that are coming up. Um, 
I'll take homecoming that's for the, instance. That's the million dollar question. It, it, I is, mean, it is. What's going to happen? Are we going to go back to how we were? Or are we going to take advantage of what we learned over the last 12 months? Absolutely. So I'll take homecoming, for instance, because that's that's probably the most appropriate date that is almost considered herd immunity. But again, I'm not a doctor. I'm only an assistant director of alumni engagement, so I won't give any input with that. <laughs> um, but homecoming, for instance, we're going to have people that will be considered to be comfortable coming to a an area. Um but then what are we going to do to complement those that may not be comfortable coming back to campus? Um in some strange way maybe we we somebody could couldn't be vaccinated um and still waiting to get their vaccine. Uh so how are we going to do those events? And the big thing is as the consumer standpoint They've all seen us do virtual events this past uh, academic year, but this past fiscal year. So what's in it for us for this virtual sense? So on top of you building a huge homecoming event, you're now having to take a look at and seeing what exactly can we do to virtually enhance homecoming as well. Um, And that, I believe, is going to go on moving forward for so many years because of the technology improvements and the focus of the digital sphere, because now people are live streaming church church services now. Is it going to go away when we're now back to normal and everybody can con- congregate? I don't think so. So you're now working double because you're doing both facets of in-person and virtual. So I'm going to see that for probably the rest of time. So you know, I, I I always say COVID was was a really um, I don't want to say it it backed a lot of people. Um, it was a setback, but really, I think it kicked everybody up one notch higher. That allowed everyone to to start thinking about this technology world in this digital space. And now you're seeing everybody having a Facebook, a website, and an Instagram for all we know. So it's it's been really cool to see that change. But I do see that big challenge coming up in the next six to twelve months. Absolutely. But I think, you know, the, the opportunity that it's presented us in, in the field of alumni relations is also, you know, now you can engage an alum, whether they're in Singapore or Shanghai or Sydney or wherever they are, you now can provide equal access to all of your alumni in, in being able to engage with the university, which obviously in the past wasn't really possible or at least wasn't prioritized, right? So I think for me, that's been the biggest opportunity for universities and schools. Moving on to the the three final questions, I'm going to call them the famous three. Um, Question one, what's a book that you would recommend to your peers in alumni engagement? Oh, so so I had to think about this um, because there's been a lot of books that I've read um, since the pandemic uh, because we've, of course, had so much time to think about it. But I think one of the things that I truly enjoyed reading was a book that's called I Hear You. The Surprisingly Simple Skill Behind Extraordinary Relationships. And that's a book Mm. by Michael S. Sorensen. What it really described was how can you build better relationships with people? Um, You know, of course, we always talk about stewardship. We always talk about donor engagement. But before we strip all those things down, down to the skeleton and the meat of everything, it really is the relationship of the individual. And Michael goes into this awesome, I, I don't want to say it's a, it's a model, 
Um, but I have actually a sticky note that is somewhere in my office at home because, you know, we're still still transitioning between working from home and working in the office um, about these awesome things that you can do and to be authentic about building those relationships. Um, so again, like I said, it's called I Hear You, The Surprisingly Simple Skill Behind Extraordinary Relationships. And I think that was one of the biggest books that um, made a huge impact during my time of, of quarantine itself. That's great. That's great. I'm definitely going to uh, get one of those. Um, the second question I had was, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Now, I thought this was funny that um, you asked this question because 20-year-old self is only five years ago. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I mean, I was still in college. I was still, uh, you know, trying to navigate my way through um, becoming a professional. But I think one of the things that I learned um, as I wish I could tell, is that things will get better when you keep doing them. Uh, you know, a lot of the work that I do is has a lot of eyes on it, whether that's a video, a podcast, eyes, ears, nose sometimes. I don't know if nose still plays into it at all. Um, but, you know, smell vision is coming out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but, you know, working, continuing to work, I, I remember some of the projects I did back in college. And yes, they looked great to me, but now the work that I'm currently doing is obviously far better than the stuff that I did five years ago. Um, so if anybody out there is, is trying to work on a project or, you know, I think a lot of us picked up on a new skill during COVID, maybe it's trying to do better with email marketing or trying to do better with websites. Your first and second, uh, I guess, draft of something is, is yeah, it's going to be great. But if you are five years down the road, you're going to look back at the stuff you did five years ago and say, wow, I cannot believe the progress that I have made because of me still doing this and continuing to do it. Um, I always think about, I know you and I talked about beforehand about doing podcasts. And I remember doing the first couple episodes of some odd podcast that I did many years ago. And I'm like, wow, that didn't sound good. That was weird. Why didn't I do didn't do this? Why didn't I do that? But if it wasn't for me actually doing those things and continuously doing them, I wouldn't have gotten to the point in which you're polishing your skill to perfect or to continue to improve those skill sets that you have. So um, things will get better when you keep doing them itself. I love that advice. And I think, uh, you know, that anybody listening to this podcast and sort of thinking, like you said, like, you know, hey, you know, am I good enough to do something? You just have to give it enough time, right? Um, and then the last question I have for you is, uh, what's your favorite resource or software tool that's helped you in this job? Well, I, I thought at first it was going to be Almabase, but I was like, you know what? I was like, let's switch it to, to a couple other things. <laughs> you know, quick little plug. Um, but I think one of my favorite software tools at the moment um, is Calendly. Um, Calendly is an online, uh, almost calendar management tool um, that allows you to send out a simple link. And based on your availability and based on your calendar meetings, it's able to depict whether wh wherever you are free um, in the sense of where um, you can meet with somebody, whether that's via Zoom. The Zoom call is automatically generated. Uh, you know, all this information helps us with a team of two 
be able to prioritize more into putting in more effort going into the meeting rather than trying to figure out and playing a game of email tag back and forth. Um, but on top of that, with Calendly, I do have to give an honorable mention because I'm starting to use it a little bit more. Um, it's an online software called Notion, N-O-T-I-N, well, N-O-T-I-O-N dot S-O. It's Notion dot S-O. And it's this really simple HTML, almost like a count that you can work with, that you can embed links, you can do spreadsheets, you can do tables. Um, I've seen a lot of other companies use their uh, company handbook um, as a source for that. Um, and it's really been progressive in me helping other outside resources out in showing videos that I reference or getting schedules put together. Um, so so Notion.so is, is an honorable mention, but Calendly has saved my butt um, for working with a team of two and expanding so much with um, the greater community itself with alumni and current students. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I've used Calendly for several years and Notion is actually something that we use at AlmaBase quite extensively as well. So there's a ton that we do on Notion and it's super powerful yet super simple if you want to use it uh, to begin with. Well, that's great. Thank you so much, uh, Mike, for joining me on this conversation. I really appreciate it. I And thank you again for this opportunity. And, and I hope that anybody who's listening is doing well. And if you have to think about the first step, just do it. So thank you so much for having me today. Perfect. Thanks so much, Mike.